welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, where we help you get the most out of every ad dollar spent. On today's episode, we have Ryan Hansen from Luminad. Luminad is a marketing technology tool that unifies advertising intelligence allows you to gain critical insights into what's happening with your campaigns, what's going on with your data, and how you can improve your return on ad spend. Ryan is the founder of Luminad and is here today to help expose a lot of things in the marketing tech industry about attribution and performance advertising. So Ryan, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me, Lucas. I'm great, man. How are you? Make a media about marketing. So we're we're happy when, when we're in the booth recording. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Luminad, maybe your a quick bio. Yeah, Luminad is headquartered in, in Missoula, Montana. I moved here in two thousand four. I did my undergrad and MBA at the University of Montana here in Missoula. Prior to Luminad, I had zero experience in the advertising and media universe. After my undergrad, I worked for an economic development finance company, and uh, our mission there was to improve access to capital for economically disadvantaged entrepreneurs. And in that work, I spent a lot of time around business owners who were trying to grow their business. And uh, what, stout, what stood out to me the most in that was how much money they would spend on advertising with zero insight and understanding as to what those dollars did for them in return. It was there that I realized just how much was possible in the world of modern, targeted digital advertising. And I compare that to the antiquated way small businesses were still spending ad dollars. Essentially, there was this massive discrepancy between what was possible in the world of advertising versus what the average marketer had access to. And so with, with that, uh, Luminad was born in, in 2014 with a, with a humble goal of making modern technology-first advertising accessible to the masses. We started out in 2014 uh, what, in what looked like a kind of like a managed services provider. Our philosophy on day one was that let's not help people understand what buttons to click or which channels to use in this technology-driven landscape, but instead just take ownership of all facets of it and work with advertisers who had a marketing objective that they wanted to accomplish through advertising and take ownership of the execution and understand like, you know, they don't want to have to understand you know, how much, what portion of my budget should I put into Facebook versus AdWords versus programmatic display versus um, versus connected TV or whatever. They don't have time to, to understand those nuances. So we took ownership of that from end to end and helped them optimize those that media mix. But what we didn't realize at the time was how difficult that work would be. Because when you're running campaigns that are leveraging a, a handful of different channels and platforms, it's nearly impossible to get a a clear understanding of what's working, what isn't, and why. And so we started building our own software to make that, to solve that problem for ourselves. And it turns out that um, that's a near universal problem that, that uh, advertisers have, and there's um, you know, an opportunity to solve that problem. And so we went deep on that a couple of years ago. And in 2019, we, we rolled out a version of our software that is available to advertisers independent of our services. And that's where we are today. And, and we call that platform an advertising intelligence platform that is essentially um, purpose built for agencies and brands who want a long-term solution to the challenges that are, that are inherent in data organization management and reporting all in support of better media execution. Quite the story arc. 
I think you, <laughs> given all the tracking that's available and the robustness of the technology is almost a dream situation. We have everything that we would want, yet simultaneous to that, the regulators, lawmakers, and private businesses are essentially tightening the screws uh, because consumer privacy is at odds with advertising tracking. So talk us through mm -hmm. the state of affairs or state of the union, if you will, about the landscape as it stands today. Yeah, well, we're certainly moving into uh, an era of what I call privacy first advertising, right? And that's a you know, that's, that's a, that could be a, a, a podcast in and of itself. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, the way that I'm, the way that I view the, you know, this, you know, CCPA, GPR, et cetera, et cetera, is that uh, ultimately the, the, the spirit of what those, um, of those regulations are doing is, is, is sound, right? There's, um, there's good reason to push for greater transparency and greater account and greater accountability in this space. What we see is the, the larger, more systemic problem in, in the ecosystem, which is that um, advertising really has failed to live up to the promises of digital. The, the idea behind digital is that everything's measurable, everything's trackable, and um, everything's attributable. And that really, you know, now that this, now that the uh, the ecosystem is is maturing a bit, and it's the dust is settling, and you know, there's there's clear winners and there's clear losers. We're, we're we're no closer to realizing the promise of digital, and you know, despite all the sophistication, all of the innovation, all of the technology, marketers today still struggle answering the fundamental question of what's working, what isn't, and why. But what you know, our point of view is that the industry is missing a foundation. It's missing a common language, and there, one of the reasons we've got here is because there's no there's no standardization in the industry, because the industry is dominated by you know what we call the 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 walled gardens that kind of create their own rules and um, have, don't really have an interest in benefiting in working together to benefit advertisers. They're they're mostly solving for how do they beat the other walled gardens. And that to us is is the larger, more systemic problem. And absolutely, there's going to be. It'll be fascinating to see how the 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 the, the privacy implications that are there that are top of mind for so many, you know, consumers and governments. But uh, where we live is mostly in the you know the 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 data organization side of it to um, just to get a better understanding of of what's working and what isn't, and in, in, in building this foundation that the industry needs. I don't think anybody woke up 10 years ago and said, I can foresee a future in which we build a walled garden that really pads our balance sheet and makes our publicly traded stock, you know, perform very well, but to the detriment of advertisers and to the detriment of consumer privacy. So how did we get here? A walled garden is essentially a closed ecosystem. And uh, in the advertising context, uh, walled gardens are primarily referring to Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Together, these three capture more than two-thirds of all digital ad dollars in the U.S. Uh, and that, that's a $130 billion market, and uh, that's $300 billion market worldwide. Um, how we got here is uh, just a few companies have captured so much of that massive market. They each have the ability to set their own rules with their own closed ecosystem that ultimately conflict with one another. And like I said before, uh, these 
few platforms are more interested in beating one another than they are in working together to benefit advertisers. It's better and easier to tell the story if you're Facebook to say your Facebook ads are performing well on Facebook and Facebook's getting you these conversions because we're able to stick our fingers in our ear and pretend like Google doesn't exist, Amazon doesn't exist, SEO doesn't exist. And so the only thing that matters is how Facebook performs inside of Facebook's own ecosystem. And so that performance report that you get when you log into Facebook Business Manager says, if you spend more, you will get more. There's no end in sight of this problem until these walls come down. There's just all these mini battles that are all being waged to sort of fight the walled gardens. But ironically, it's the walled gardens that are leading this fight. Like Apple, you didn't you didn't mention out. You said Facebook, Google, and Amazon are the biggest advertising walled gardens. Completely agree in terms of ad dollars. But yep. Apple is hanging out there with the subset of the world's best customers, and they know everything yep. about them. But they won't expose that to the advertising industry, and they sort of have a reason for that. But it seems like there's all these little small scale battles that are going after the Googles or the Facebooks of the world, but the systemic problem doesn't seem to be getting addressed. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that how you see it as well? And tell me again one more time, what do you mean by the systemic problem? So I think the systemic problem is that Facebook gets to have its own ecosystem and report back on its own ad performance and Google as well. And simultaneously, the tracking data is used in all this other in all these other nefarious ways to help Amazon Alexa know what you're shopping for and your smart yep. refrigerator know to tell you to order more milk. So the systemic problem is the walled gardens are controlling their own ecosystem. And so the regulators can come in and try to like break that company up. Google can try to limit third-party tracking. Apple can try to force users to opt in to share that data. But none of that equals walls coming down. It's, yep. all, it's all just a different version of the same issue. So to me, the walls being there is the systemic problem. I would say that I don't totally see it that way, that the walls in and of themselves create the problem. Um, I think it's unfortunate it will be very, very fascinating to say the least to see how some of these things play out, right? Like you just mentioned two examples, whether it's Google killing third-party cookies or um, Apple limiting uh, the IDFA or ITP or whatever, you know, to, to the extent that, you know, regulators get involved, it's, it's all going to be in sort of what the, you know, what Apple's longer term play here is or what Google's is. Now, Apple's looks more consumer friendly, right? Like Apple's is just limiting um, you know, preventing third parties from accessing uh, user data. And because, you know, they fortunately for them have a very, very different model than Google, right? Google's, <laughs> Google would be nothing without its, uh, without its uh, ad dollars, where uh, Apple, of course, doesn't rely on that. So when, when Google limits third party cookies, it's going to be super interesting, because the, the pessimist and some folks will say like, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to kill this tracking mechanism they might have their own version of it that will still allow their tech to work and they will be fine sans third-party cookies, whereas most people won't. And that to me feels a little sort of like, you know, antitrusty where, you know, that might sort of raise some red flags for regulators. But again, like that DOJ lawsuit just came out and, uh, 
and it's 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 I was surprised to see the scope of it fairly you know for the most part just limited to search ads in the, in the search business not not the larger Google um, advertising universe so um, you know so much to it'll it'll be this industry is going to evolve whether it likes it or not um, you know over the next couple of years in some really really fascinating ways but. To answer your question, I don't see the the walls in and of themselves being the issue or the or the, the systemic problem in the industry because you know Facebook has is totally within its own right to set its own rules and to come up with its own definition. Um, it's the, the I think the problem is when Facebook is so large and people have to use it that that like that that's where you know the rest of uh, of marketers and advertisers start to struggle because because Facebook can do what's in the best interest for Facebook, not necessarily what's in the best interest for its users or its audiences. And I think that's where the challenge is. So, you know, in, in the, if, if smaller walled gardens existed and they do, they have to be more uh, focused on, you know, market needs and being competitive less on, you know, what's in the best interest for itself because they don't have the size. They don't have the luxury to do that given their size. You guys are coming from a place of, experience and knowledge that that's what we're here to to tap into so we appreciate the perspective how are you currently solving that problem and two how would we solve this problem permanently in a future state of the industry because i don't see this going away because the parties involved have no motivation to to make this go away totally the the, the industry lacks a a standardized language for efficient analysis and comparison and uh what this you know so what this leads to is different definitions different measures um different metrics for each platform and um you know the 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 easy examples that i always give is like okay take clicks for example clicks are not the definition of success but they might be a, like a leading indicator of success and uh, if you're going to run an ad campaign, you're probably at least at some point going to look at the like a clicks metric. And so when you run clicks, when you run a campaign on Facebook um, and you look at clicks, what Facebook surfaces through the UI first and what they suggest is like the best quote unquote click metric to look at is what they call, um, you know, their, their definition of clicks includes all clicks. So whether somebody, um, um, whether somebody uh, comments on the ad, likes right. the ad, likes the page, clicks to expand a photo or go to the Facebook page or any other number of things that you could do um, while you're being served that ad on Facebook, Facebook's going to count that as a click. Yep. You have to dig into the metrics and you have to go find link clicks if you want to know how many people actually clicked on the ad to go to your website and to learn more. Sure. You know, another another example is like you know, if you're running video ads, you care about completed video views. The the definition of success for for a video ad, which may be more like top of funnel versus bottom of the funnel, and and your in success maybe for for you in this campaign is somebody watching the entire ad. And um, you know, even just looking at how YouTube differs from Facebook is hilarious in this example. Um, YouTube calls a completed video view a true view, and when you dig into the the definition of that, that's someone watching. 30 seconds of the ad or clicking, which is hilarious. Um, Facebook's definition of a of video success is what they call a through play, which is which is watching at least 15 seconds of the video or, comp or just watching the whole thing. And um, as an advertiser, you just want to know how many people watch the whole video. 
because that's the objective analysis. And then you can compare where am I getting better results from from Facebook video ads or from from YouTube ads. And that's incredibly difficult to do because they 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 each define them differently. And you can't even go into Facebook and see what was my cost per 100% completed video view. You have to you have to go calculate that yourself. And that's like you should be able to calculate that, but that doesn't you know, Facebook knows that those are harder to come by and it you know, it's going to you know the the perceived success of the ad campaign isn't going to be as as solid uh, when when looking at it like that. That's the that's the problem. The, there, some engineer sat in a room and said, "What would be really helpful for our advertisers if we showed them this metric?" And then some other guy, likely not an engineer, a business guy, said, "Yeah, but we don't want to show people that. It will make us look worse. Let's not expose yep. to them. This yep. is." not sustainable i mean if i gave you this example check this out i'm sitting on a car dealership and i'm looking at buying a new uh ford pickup and i asked the guy how much uh what's the gas mileage on this car well a sticker says it's 20 miles to the gallon so there you go awesome but it, it doesn't say well we star asterisk we define gas mileage as x right. plus right. minus c the regulators would immediately step into that industry and say, and they already have, right? That that sticker that goes on the car window is the standard that you are basically saying the ad industry needs. But no one would tolerate essentially a bold-faced lie about gas mileage performance. Why is it okay in the advertising industry? It's, it's a really good point, Lucas, and uh... – and uh, so, yeah, to me, it's like, why hasn't this problem been solved yet? What what people are having to do to so, because people are solving this problem for themselves, and it's this like it's creating this thing where the 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 CMO is looking more like a CTO because they're having to build their own products to solve this problem. Like each marketer has to come up with their own way to organize data and to you know stitch together link clicks with all clicks by just doing a uh, like 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 a string match in, in Python or Excel. And, and you know, and you, like the reality is that like marketers are getting further and further away from marketing. And they're like, in, in order to solve this problem, well, you have to, you have to become a great product company. You have to, you have to be a great software company and build great products. And you're, you're, they're losing sight of their core competency, which is, you know, being awesome marketers, telling great stories, coming up with great strategies and great media plans. And, uh, and to us, it's like, you should be able to buy that. You shouldn't have to build it. Yeah. So, I mean, talk us through the, the Luminad solution then. I mean, that's a perfect segue for instead of building your own product, instead of, you know, ch taking off your CMO hat and putting on your, your Python SQL Excel data analysis hat, um, how does Luminad make that easier for people? And what's the right way to do it? Because marketers need to be focused on being creative and what the messaging is and building brands, not on the granular details of how did this perform, that answer should be provided by the technology and the data. And that's usually something that is not in the, the wheelhouse of every CMO or marketing department. Right. So, so we say that the industry needs an interpreter. We need one sort of agreed upon data taxonomy, data language, and, uh, and, an, and a sort of like an agreed upon way to sort of like look at that data and put it into context. And marketers typically think that they have a, um, a like a data visualization and reporting problem. But what they really have is a data management problem. You need a blueprint for how you want to blend all of those cross-platform 
metrics together. And so you need to be able to, you know, you, you need to spend time there and you need to think about like, okay, this is our, this is our dictionary. This is our language. We're going to stick to it. And we're going to map, you know, if we're going to be running campaigns in whether it's Facebook or the trade desk, you know, or LinkedIn, whatever, whatever metrics are available in LinkedIn, Facebook, um, the trade desk have to map back to something in, in our dictionary. And so in Luminad, we provide that dictionary and it's off the shelf. It's a, it's a blended data model where everything, all of the different data sources map to a, an easily understood set of metrics of, of which there are, you know, there's about 80 of them right now. But in addition to blending that data or normalizing that data, however you want to think about it, you also have to add context to that data. And so you kind of have to like add dimensionality to it. Like you have to add modifiers to it. Um, you might also want to look at it a way where you would say like, okay, um, I'm running a bunch of different targeting tactics across the different platforms that I'm running in. Um, and, you know, how is my male 25 to 34 that likes to play soccer audience um, doing compared to my 35 to 44 female that likes to travel audience? Which one's driving a more efficient cost per phone call or something like that? And you want to be able to break that data out in that way. So that's what, you know, at, you know, at its core, Luminad solves the data organization problem in those ways. And then it, of course, layers on you know, what you can do with that data after that, whether it's, um, you know, building reports, like building nice, pretty PDFs for stakeholders or clients, or whether it's um, looking at sort of performance dashboards or, um, you know, you know, categorizing events that are set up across these different platforms, whatever it's, you know, the end result is what people focus on, but what makes it easy is the, is the off the shelf data organization and management piece to it. Is it your perspective that return on ad spend is sort of that like neutral metric that boils down performance all into one figure? Is that still what you guys are, are chasing and, and pushing your clients to get an accurate view into? return on ad spend? Oh, ab absolutely. At the end of the day, it all has to be, you know, what are you getting from your uh, ad dollars invested? You guys are the, are you guys are the pros from an attribution perspective on, on that where, um, you know, how do you attribute, you know, one t-shirt sign up purchased on Shopify to, you know, X dollars purchased over the last, you know, X number of months to, to drive that t-shirt purchase. And, um, you know, so, you know, fascinating world of attribution because, you know, it, it's hard to that that one to one tracking across across channels is is difficult these days, of course, given the privacy first things. But, um, you know, there's there's ways you can arrive at that and, and everybody needs to come up with their own methodology for that. And, you know, and that's the way you guys do that is a is a reason why, you know, Luminad and LeadsRx uh, partner on a couple of different cool things. We really take a lot of pride in our ability to be omni-channel. There's a lot of tracking tools and attribution tools that are sort of what are called point solutions, and they'll do a great job for podcasts or OTT or let's say digital. But as soon as you ask that tool to bring in broadcast or direct mailers, it starts to lose its efficacy. And so we look for partners that share that same vision. We believe Luminat is one of those partners, and that's why we're able to do such great things together. If you don't look at it holistically across all channels, across all mediums, across all messaging, across all days, all times, 
you really can't ask a specific question of is purple better than blue because if you're running blue on Tuesdays and purple on Thursdays, you've basically eliminated your ability to run a, a meaningful scientific experiment on blue versus purple. And so the true players in this space that have a solution that brings meaningful insights are the tools that really capture uh, an omni-channel perspective, bring it all together, and then look at the cost and the revenue to arrive at the most accurate representation of return on ad spend and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the best of the best. That's the tip of the spear. That is the most innovative approach and the most accurate and insightful approach to getting return on ad spend that's available in the industry. Would would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question, for sure. Um, we don't believe that a problem this big can be solved by just, um, you know, um, you know, a couple of clicks, sign on by yourself and, uh, you know, use some self-guided uh, wizards to to land on the promised land that is uh, sort of being advertising intelligent. We take uh, onboarding pretty seriously and, and have kind of a, what we would describe as a, as a white glove uh, setup process. So, um, and once your data is in, um, you almost instantaneously can start playing with it because uh, again, the, the data model is pre-built, it's predefined. And as soon as you start as soon as you start importing that data, um, all of those channels are stitched together with the metrics that uh, with with seventy metrics that that matter. Um, you can of course custom build your own metrics as well. You heard it here first, folks. If you are dealing with disconnected or complicated advertising data from a variety of sources and you're looking to draw insights about how to improve those campaigns and how to get more out of your advertising dollars, you need to go check out Luminad, that's L-U-M-E-N-A-D.com, and check their solution out. The Luminad solution is an industry leader in helping you guys organize that data and put it in a position to where you can really draw insights on how to improve. So Ryan, thank you so much for the time. That's it for today, guys. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off.